Well, how's your Lent going? We sent Father Ted off to Georgia, so I have to be the cheerleader for Lent now. So how's Lent going for you? Boy, I tell you, you know, there are ups and downs, aren't there? But if we do it right, if we find those things, those spiritual practices, those things we do with our body, because what we do with our body really does matter in terms of what happens with our mind and our emotions, our, our thoughts and our emotions and everything else about us. And so we do those things, it is very revealing. Perhaps I'll share at some point during the sermon one of those revelations for me. This week I was um, working out at Gainesville Health and Fitness. That's not one of my Lenten practices, but it is something I'm trying to do more, take care of my physical body. And as I was there working out, I saw a, a doctor that I interact with fairly frequently. And the doctor and I, uh, he knows that I'm a priest. I know he's a doctor. So we have a little bit of a different kind of relationship. So he's a little more open with me, I think, than, than he would be normally. And I said, well, how's it going? How are you? And he said, not good. Um, my wife's brother just died of an overdose. And if that's not bad enough, um, her, her other brother is also a drug addict. And so the family is, is grieving the loss of a brother and concerned that yet another brother might be lost. And we spent a couple of moments there just sort of talking and me trying to minister to him. He's not a follower of Christ at this point, but, but he's a great guy, and I, 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 I pray that in time he'll, he'll be there. But I left him, and I, I thought about it. The last thing he said kept rolling through my head, though, and that was he has young children, and he said, you know, the thing I fear is that my children may be genetically predisposed to addiction. <laughs> And at that moment, I thought about that, boy, fear. I mean, if there's anything that we need to take a look at at the time of Lent, it's fear. Because particularly when it comes to our children, if we have children, but in other things as well, we have fears, fears for our physical health, fears for our financial well-being, fears for our grandchildren, if we have them, and we hope that one day have them. Right, Jeff? Um, we, we have all sorts of fears, fears for what, what my career will be and how will it go, fears of reputation, will I be accepted, will people, do people really care for me or do they, are they just loving me because of how I perform, all sorts of fears that run through our minds and if you think about it, our fears can easily translate into things that become for us idols. Just to remind you, an idol, Tim Keller says, is anything that becomes fundamentally more important to your happiness than God. That's an idol. So it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be a good thing. Grandkids are very good things, Libby, right? right. But if, if your grandchild becomes more fundamental to your happiness than God, you've made an idol of your grandchild. That's what... Keller says, I believe that is a great definition for idols in our lives, to be aware of those things. So here's how, so what you fear can become your idol. You so fear that your grandchild will be harmed or killed, that you make them an idol and you spend all of your energy, your very best, focused not on God, 
but on your grandchild. Or you're so fearful that you aren't going to have enough money that you make an idol of trying to accumulate more and more money. I spent time with a guy this weekend who makes money like I make friends. And that means he has lots of money. And yet, as I talk to this guy, his, his whole life is consumed with making more money and getting enough return for the money that he already has. And I'm talking about millions of dollars. You see, what we fear easily can turn into an idol, whatever it is. I work out and gain some health and fitness. There are these guys that are just like Adonis. I mean, they're just like, you know, they look like they'd be competing, right? And, and yet, they're, all they're consumed with is what they're eating, you know? And I'm thinking, dude, eat whatever you want. Drink another beer. You can afford it. I can't afford it, but you can, you know? And yet, their, their fear is that they'll stop looking like that. Guy said, and I've, I've known this guy for a long time. He said, well, I started getting older, so I started taking my workouts really serious, and I started eating differently. I'm thinking, I knew him before. He was in incredible shape. But our fear can become our obsession, our idolatry, our idol. Money, physical health, children. It's not by coincidence that God constantly reminds us, especially in the Old Testament, that we are to fear the Lord. If our fear is in the Lord, and that means more than just being afraid of, but then, then our, we place God in that place of worship in our lives. That's the problem. The things we idolize, the things we become obsessed with, we worship, we give ourselves to in lots and lots of different ways. Now, if you don't fear anything, and I know there are some of you in this room, let me tell you, what you idolize is yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you thought I was going to let you get away with that, right? Because you thought, oh, I don't fear anything. Then, then the idol is probably self. Because you're the smartest, or you're the wittiest, or you're the most charismatic, or whatever it is that makes you feel confident you don't need to fear. Well, it's, it's the self that can become that idol. But of course, that's where our whole culture is built around, right? My right to pursue life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, my way. Oh, gosh. Welcome to Lent. <laughs> so for me, it, it's, it's really a no-brainer to, to take a look at the Abraham account that Bella did a great job of reading this morning. But don't be impressed with yourself, Bella. I'll tell you why later. <laughs> but, but just to hear that account again, that horrible account, it's, it's inhumane. It's, it's, I mean, talk about politically incorrect. Abraham is called by God to offer his son as a sacrifice on an altar. Now, it doesn't mean to say, you know, in, the, in Abraham's context, in the world Abraham was living in, the Canaanites who lived around Abraham were offering sacrifices of children all the time. A lot of the ancient religions, child sacrifice was very appropriate. What do you love most? You love your kids. So if you want to show God you love him more, you offer your kids. And so that happened a lot. God never calls anyone to actually go through with offering their child. That's the difference between Yahweh, the one true God, and these false gods. But for Abraham, it wouldn't have seemed foreign at all to be asked to offer a child 
even though he's 99, even though he's waited his whole life, he's been given this promise earlier in life that God would make a great nation of him, that his descendants would be as, as many as the stars and sand of the shore. And yet here is God saying, take Isaac, your only son, go with him to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him to me. And so Abraham goes in faith. But if we can get by the, the cultural thing that's so very different for us, I think you can see, you're a smart group, that this is a helpful picture for us. You see, God requires that Abraham take the thing that he is most inclined to idolize, to be obsessed with, namely his boy. And men, there's nothing as awesome as our sons, right? We love our boys. We love our sons. We love watching them become men. To take that and place it on the altar. Or daughters. I'm not trying to be... You know, but Abraham's a man. Come on, you you're with me. Place it on the altar. To offer it to the Lord. Whatever it is. To say, Lord... This is what most easily idols, rivals you in my life. And so I offer it to you. For a lot of us, if we are parents, our children can easily become that obsession, that idol, especially in our age. Our parents didn't do it right, so we know how to really parent and be present to our children and put them first. Ooh, be careful with that. So I think it's really timely that, that God uses this, this amazing example of Abraham's life of saying, even the things that are good in our lives can become a rival for the one true good, which is God. Henry Nouwen, who's a Roman Catholic theologian, writer, now with the Lord, but Nowen said something that I read over at sabbatical last summer that I can't get past and I love and I want to share it with you guys. Nowen said, for, I apologize, I know not everybody has children, but if you have children, you'll hopefully hear this. Nowen said, our children are not our report card with God. Our children are not our report card with God. They're, whether, whether for good or for bad, so we can't brag to God about our kids, nor should we feel condemned or shamed by our kids. Our children are not our report card with God. You see why well, I think that strikes home so easily for anyone that's a parent is because you understand how easy it is to make it about your kids. For good or for bad. The things we fear can become the idols. But what is it that Peter fears? Going to our gospel lesson. Well, Peter fears losing Jesus. He thinks that, he, it's, it's almost as if, like in the 1970s, you came across this, this guy, Steve Jobs, and found out about this company, Apple, that was starting, and you got in on the ground floor. You bought stock, or you worked in the company, 
And you saw before anyone else that Apple was going to be an amazingly lucrative company, okay? Well, in the same way, Peter thinks he has gotten in with Jesus the Messiah early. Now, we know that Jesus finds Peter. Peter doesn't find Jesus. But from Peter's perspective, he's found Jesus. And he's in on the ground floor. He's going to be ahead of the curve when Messiah comes in and takes care of the enemies and rules over all creation. And Peter's at the beginning of it. And so when Jesus says to Peter in Mark 8, I must go to Jerusalem and I must be handed over to my enemies and I will be tortured and I will be killed. But on the third day rise again, Peter can't handle it. See, he can't hear the third day rise again. All he can hear is, Jesus might be taken from me. And so he rebukes Jesus. I've shared this before. Man, the boldness to rebuke Jesus. But you see, his need for Jesus, he needs to control Jesus. He needs, this is how Jesus operates. This is what Jesus does. And for Jesus himself to say, no, there's another way, Peter, that you don't understand, threatens Peter. It is fearful to him. And so he tries to control Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus has to rebuke Peter. Because he sees that in his fear and in, out of his fear that trying to control and rebuke Jesus, he is giving opportunity for the enemy to work his plans out. You see, that's the reason we have to look at our idols. Because what we fear becomes the things we obsess about. And the things we obsess about the way we try to control and make it work the way we want it and understand the world as we need it to be understood and for it to go the way we want gives opportunities for Satan to work through our lives. Bottom line, my intention is great to love my kids, to, to want the very best for them, to protect them. God tells me I'm supposed to do that. But in, the, in my love for my kids, I can become so fixated on them that I idolize them. And I set them up for unreasonable expectations. Especially when they don't do what I want them to do. Yeah. And Sam's not in that category. That wasn't, that wasn't, a, that wasn't an unveiled attempt to manipulate my daughter, you know, but, it, but that's the reality. When our kids don't make us proud, when they don't take piano lessons, or they take them and they're brilliant and then they don't want to be musicians. Whatever we idolize gives room for the enemy's work. Our fears become our idols. And our idols become opportunities for the enemy. Jesus gives us another way. And it's what he continues on to say in the rest of Mark 8. Jesus calls the disciples in the crowd to himself. Verse 34. And he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross in other words, declare himself 
willing to die and follow me because Jesus says that's what I'm doing. Now, denying yourself is, is not the things you give up for Lent. For a long time, I got those confused. So let me clarify that. Giving up chocolate is not denying yourself that Jesus is talking about right there. Now, if your idol is food, that may be a part of it, but I, I guess probably if your idol is food, probably the least of your worries is giving up chocolate for Lent, right? But those are important because they're, they, what our bodies do matter. But the things that Jesus is calling us to deny ourselves, those things are those things we fear and those things that we tend to idolize. Our resume, our kids, our bank account, our mind, our knowing the right way to do things, or our ability to interact with other people, whatever it is that we think and are impressed by, those things, Jesus says, we are to die to, to renounce, to deny, to surrender. My assurance that I know what's best for my life. I mean, can you see it? I mean, Peter's like, no, no, Jesus. Uh, you, you've, you've missed it. This is not where you're supposed to, this is not going to happen to you. You're the Messiah. I need for you to be the Messiah that I've been waiting for. Oh no, this is not the way my life's supposed to go, right? I'm, I'm supposed to fill in the blank. Well, Jesus says, fear will lead to idolatry, so we must deny the thing that we want to idolize. Our colleague this morning said something that I don't know if you caught. This colleague, which is really a collecting prayer, says in the first line, Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. You prayed that prayer. I prayed that prayer. But do we really believe it? It's the collect of the day. You see, I think that the reality is that we really do think we have some power in ourselves to help ourselves. And that's the very thing that Jesus says we have to deny. We have to die to. We have to take up our cross to. So if you think you have the power to change your life, you have to die to that. Because there is no power in you to help yourself, says the gospel. All have sinned and fallen short. So we have to die to those things. My friend Jeff says... Jeff Chapman says, lose your life. Let go of those things. Put yourself last. Consider others better than yourself. Lose your life. 
surrender control. Now, this is, these are hard things. Control, pride, humility. These are not things we say, okay, yeah, I heard it, Alex. I'm going to go home. I'm going to surrender control of my life. You can't do it in a day. You can't do it in a year. But to walk in the way of Jesus is to be intentional about continuing to work at laying down control. And of course, the first step is always admitting that you have a problem, right? Hmm. If you don't know that you have a problem, if you're not willing to even admit that I have a problem with wanting to control my life, how can I begin to say, Lord, I want to lay it on the altar. I surrender control again. Lord, I have a problem with pride. I laid on the altar. You see, I read a book this week and the, the author said, you know, for so long in my Christian life, I was really impressed with how I served God. With how much I read the Bible and how much I prayed and how much I learned about Him and studied and all the things I did for God. I was impressed by those things. He said, but you know what I've come to realize in my Christian life? I can't be both impressed with myself and with God. And so we have to deny, we have to let go of being impressed with ourselves. So Bella, don't be impressed with how well you read today. <laughs> you see, because the need to be impressive will become the idol. It will become the thing we work most on. The fear of losing control that makes us want to control things, it becomes the idol that competes with the Lord. And the Lord knows that that is not a way of life, but a way of death. Lose your life. Let go. Put yourself last. Think others more highly than yourself. Is there anything harder <laughs> than putting yourself last? You know, if, if somebody is, is my age and my, you know, basically, you know, sort of me but better than me, it's hard to go, you know what, he's a better father, he's a better preacher, he's a better leader, better husband. That's so hard to do, isn't it, you know? But if I don't surrender that, that, that easily becomes the idol of my life. I want to live to be an impressive father or preacher or leader or husband. Whether, rather than being impressed only with Jesus. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Jesus models the way, doesn't he? He models the way for us. And because he has given himself for us and because of his Holy Spirit, which he sent, that is at work in us who have believed in him, we can grow in his way. We can learn to walk in His way by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. So the question is simple. What do you need to lay upon the altar this Lent? What area of your life do you need to die to, to give up, to lose, to let go of, to humble yourself? Where are you impressed with yourself that you need to sacrifice? 
Jeff Chapman says, put in the shredder. That's the question before us. I commend to you the psalm. I don't usually touch on all first, first at all, but I, I just go home and read Psalm 61, 16. And with all due respect, I, I don't think this is as much of a messianic uh, psalm as it is a psalm of promise for those who've surrendered themselves to the Lord. Because look at what the psalmist says. He is my portion. He is my portion. He is my inheritance. My whole lot. I have no good, the psalmist says, apart from you. There is nothing on my resume except Jesus Christ, the psalmist says. Oh, he doesn't say. He says God. He doesn't know Jesus by name yet. But he says, there is nothing on my resume except God. I'm not impressed with anything but you. Other gods, he talks about. He talks about the vanity of those things. And those can be good things. You alone, verse 11, show me the path of life. God, you're my portion. That's what I want. That's the, that's the desire of my life. That's what this spiritual formation that's going on in our lives, that's what Lent is meant to be, to, to bring us back to that place and say, Lord, again here I am, preparing myself to face all that you did for us on the cross. And I say, Lord, I want to lay this down. Teach me again, Lord. Show me how to lose my life. Show me how to give up those things. Show me how not to be impressed with myself. To quit building my resume and instead be impressed with you. To know that you alone are my portion. And why are we impressed with God? Because of Romans 8, which Bella read to us. What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. <clears throat> Nothing. What the things that we fear, Paul says, they can't remove us from the love of God. Life or death or angels or demons or powers or principalities, though we suffer things in this world and some of the things we fear, let's be honest, are going to come true. But Paul says, because of Christ, because of his willingness to be offered as a sacrifice for sins, to bring us into a relationship with God, nothing in the world can separate us from the love of God. Paul says, you fear being condemned? Who can condemn you? God the Creator, God the Redeemer has said you are His very own and you are worthy of His Son to die on the cross for. What can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. Who are you trying to impress when you're a beloved daughter or son of your Father in Heaven? It's the exchanged life. It's dying to the things that we naturally want to try to hold on to or control and instead saying, Lord, I surrender to you. So this Lent, this day, offer again the thing that the Lord calls you to do. Whatever it is. 
bring it to him. He is worthy of it. He loved you so much, he gave his son. Nothing can separate you. No fear can separate you. No condemnation can have authority over you. You are in Christ. Amen.